topic itself I just think is going to be so interesting for so many people well I'm like low-key gonna spill the tea so (laughs) (laughs) the tea is about to be spilled Are cool tats, man. Oh, for real. Thank you, bro. You yeah. see the cobra? Yeah, what is this one? What's the one right there? Oh, this? Uh-huh. That's my credo. No regrets. Mm-hmm. How about that? You have no regrets? Dad? Nope. Not one? Nope. <laughs> I wish I did to talk about something. Not one regret, huh? That's how I've been living my whole life. I went to a tattoo artist. I was like, this is how I live. Can you put that on my body? And he did. Dad. Like not even a single letter? Nah, I can't think of one. Remember that movie scene? If you're not familiar with it, that's the No Regrets tattoo guy from the 2013 Warner Brothers We're the Millers. Scotty P, the character in the movie, has become a pretty famous meme. You may have come across the No Regrets image once or twice on your social media feed. I may not have an ironically incorrectly spelled tattoo sprawled across my chest, but truthfully, before recording this episode, I would have agreed with Scotty P that I also did not have any regrets. Not having regrets is something I have heard over and over again throughout my life. It was something you wanted at the time, they say. Yet, when I look back on my time at college, if I'm really honest with myself, there are things that I would have done differently. So what does it really mean to have regrets? Is it all negative, or is there a way that regrets can be better understood? I spoke with one of my great friends, an advocate for reframing regrets, who has quite a few of her own from her time at college, about how she was finding life after grad. My name's Victoria Gordino. I'm a 22-year-old native New Yorker, and I'm a fun, loving I, I don't know. I'm just a regular degular, I feel like. I'm, I'm nothing special. You're not a regular degular person. You're awesome. <laughs> well, I don't know about awesome. I'm a little crazy. But, um... <laughs> with this project, it is important to me that the guests lead with the topic. When I asked Victoria what things came up for her in navigating life after grad, she said, regrets. Naturally, my very first question was to find out why. I can really attribute different parts of Victoria version one, version two, version three to different parts of my academic careers. So me in middle school was this girl that I don't even know. She was a mean girl, low-key popular, but probably only because people were scared of me. And then high school Vic was still the same, sort of in the you know popular crowd, but a little bit more in touch with herself, but very unaware of her privilege and just going through life, not really doing much. And then college Vic is completely different from those two Vicks and very much more my authentic self, probably the closest of who I really truly am in my heart and who I know to be. So in this past year and a half post-grad, I've transformed even more than I ever thought I would. And, you know, we'll talk about why that's happened, obviously, but there definitely were things that made me crawl back into myself and not maybe be my true authentic self at times. 
COVID really brought that out in me in the pandemic, being in complete solitude and trying to stay active, trying to stay, you know, mentally sane. I really have transformed even more. I'm at a point in my life now where I'm so secure in who I am and I'm really enjoying who I am. And I look back on my senior year of college, I'm like, what the hell was I doing? I have these regrets and it's something that I'm so open about and I talk about with my friends and my family. And I just think it's such an interesting thing because it's that push and pull of, I have all these regrets, but these regrets are teaching me how to not live with regrets further down the line, if that makes sense. So when you approached me about this, I was like, you know what? I have a lot of regrets post-grad and that should be the main theme. I think we're taught not to have regrets. It's always like, oh no, don't see it as a regret. You learn from it. It's so interesting that your perspective is, I can still regret something and choose to learn from it. But I think when people hear the word regret, they immediately like, no, I don't have those. Whereas you're like, I've got regrets. Oh, I've got regrets. (laughs) I do agree that you have to not live with regrets, but at the same time, they're bound to happen. You can't avoid them. So the best thing to do is just to suck it up and learn from them. What do you define as a regret? An experience or a time in your life that you went through that you look back on and you think, I would have done this differently. I would have done X, Y, and Z differently. That's the thing. A regret could be a good thing. It doesn't always have to be a negative thing. It could just be, I still had a great experience in this time in my life or whatever, but I could have also taken this route, which would have led me to a different path, but still would have been a fine path. So I would just say something that you reflect on maybe a day later, maybe a week later, maybe years later, whatever it is, and think about how you could have done that differently. It really could be small thing. It doesn't have to be a huge thing that you regret, but it's something that you look back on and you're like, oh crap, like I should have maybe thought this through. And I think the interesting thing about me specifically is I've always thought that I was a really analytical, thorough person. Like I think before I speak, like I'm super good about that. And now I'm like, I literally do not think. I don't even know what's going on in my head. It's like Nicki Minaj is playing. You're even making me think differently about the way I see regrets now. Because I always feel like if you go about your life just saying, oh, I don't have any regrets, then you're kind of refusing to learn. It's September 2016, and you've just started your first year of college. I hope I set the scene. Think about the person that you were at the time and the friends who were around you, the memories that you made. Some of the people in that picture may still be your friends, some of them may not. After four years of college, it's very possible that you also changed along the way. As the first subtopic in this episode, I asked Victoria to reflect on her friendships throughout her time at college, the factors that influenced the way in which they changed and the regrets and understandings that she had as a result. How did you meet your college friends? I'll start off by saying I have had a really interesting recent discovery that one of my friends, Jillian, brought up to me that I've never really had to make friends. 
I find someone that I vibe with or we have similar interests and then we go together. And I met my college friends, I think, through other people. I went to Trinity with Caitlin, who we both know, and I was hanging out with Caitlin and Eddie because they were the two people that I knew. And then I was hanging out with my roommates. I had three roommates in freshman year. Then through those people, I met other people. That was it. I made my college friendships all throughout mutual relationships. How did your friendships change throughout? Well, you know, you were one of my friends. (laughs) One of the first people that I met and freshman year. As everyone experiences, you're on a high. Everyone's friends, everyone gets along. My relationships just changed based on every factor you could think about going into sophomore year. First, I was in a relationship, so that changed a lot. Then it was what classes you had. If I had a friend who had all daytime classes and I had all nighttime classes, I was never going to see that person. For even just location of where they live, my friends that were in the same dorm as me, I saw all the time. We would hang out. It was so easy. But junior year, my best, best friend was in Cook. Well, if you know Trinity. If you're listening (laughs) to this and you know Trinity, you'll know. I lived in Vernon junior year and she lived in Cook and it literally was a five minute walk, but I refused. I was like, no, I can't. I can't. You're going to have to come to me, baby girl. So I think there are so many different factors that play a part, but I think the biggest thing for me is how relationships changed. Unfortunately, I became less of myself as the four years went on that gravitated less real friendships towards me which is not good, which then, of course, have died off in my last year of college and leaving college. When you say less of yourself, what do you mean? I started struggling with my mental health end of junior year of high school, beginning of senior year. And even though I think of myself and I think my parents would say and my close friends would say, I'm very independent. I'm very comfortable. You know, growing up in New York City, I was doing things by myself at a really young age. It was thrown into all these environments where I was had to make do. I'm also an only child. So that also plays a part in it. And after freshman year, it was a downward spiral for me a little bit in college. I was really insecure. I really struggled with depression. I was constantly in therapy. I was trying to go on medication. I was struggling with my body. I was struggling in my romantic relationship. There were a bunch of things that were happening that completely stripped me of who I really am. And unfortunately, that's how things just changed. I think the biggest thing was bottom line, I was really depressed. I was genuinely really struggling with my depression. It was lights on, but no one's home. You know, I wasn't myself. So it was really hard to create a meaningful friendship. It was sort of, okay, like you're around me. Cool. Let's hang out. But it was nothing that was really good long term. What kind of friendships do you think you had as a result of as you said, struggling with your mental health and not feeling like yourself. Friends by convenience, you know, it was proximity. There was a period of time where I was just friends with a lot of people that my ex was friends with because I was just always with him. Or I was friends with people that we didn't really get along, but we were just forced to be together in some ways. Either we lived in the same area or we had a mutual friend that they were best friends. At the time, I didn't realize that they weren't meaningful relationships. But after they died off, obviously, because they weren't, because there was nothing we had in common or nothing we really wanted to continue long term, I realized this was not a good relationship. Are there things that you would have done differently? The thing that I've realized that's taken me a lot of time to realize, and I feel like everyone should have this realization, is our time is precious. I don't need to waste my precious time on people who aren't reciprocating or who aren't giving me anything meaningful. 
I used to not be in college, but I think whenever I was home on a college break, literally I was very aware of my time. I would be home for winter break and be like, okay, I need to see this person at four o'clock, then this person at 530, Mm -hmm. then this person for dinner at seven. So literally I'm really strategic, but also realizing that I don't have to keep a friend around for convenience. That was a lot of what it was in college. It was, I'm friends with this person just because I don't want beef. There doesn't need to be beef. And that's the other thing that I've come to terms with. It's not like you're best friends with someone or you hate each other. Maybe you just don't vibe and you're just not close and that's okay. And maybe you're just acquaintances. You just know each other peripherally and you're just a friend of a friend and whatever. It is what it is. The friendships that I have and that have passed away, RIP, are like, (laughs) they are what they are. (laughs) They are what they are. But at the same time, the regret part is, especially in college, I felt when I was struggling, I gave a lot of myself to other people. I really became a really empathetic person of myself. That was me in college. I was such a giver, giver, giver. And I felt like no one was giving to me. Now looking back on it, that's the regret of damn, like, why did I spend time, money, all these things, my precious energy when I barely had any, I was walking around campus like I was a freaking zombie. I literally was not okay on you when it wasn't worth it. I ended maybe less so college friendships, but high school friendships last year. A lot of those friendships, I felt like I had to end because I regretted actually that I hadn't stood up for myself before and that I hadn't put my foot down or even that I hadn't recognized in myself how important my racial identity was to me and therefore what I had maybe enabled and allowed over periods and periods of time. Mm -hmm. And it literally got to a point where I was just like, I cannot be friends with you. I think maybe I can now say that I do have some regrets and it's okay to say that. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that I'm getting this out of you. (laughs) I'm an only child. I am super independent, had a small friend group. And I realized because I would come home every day and I'm in my room, I'm alone. And I am to a scary degree, as my mom would think, weirdly obsessed with being alone. I love my alone time. Literally, my social battery runs out so fast. Literally, even in college, I'd be at a pregame. I'd be like, is it time to go home? Like, I didn't even (laughs) make it to the function. Some of my friends are obviously ride or dies both ways. I'm a ride or die for them. They're a ride or die for me. But I realize that at the very end of the day, when you're home alone, when you're on your deathbed, sorry to get morbid, you are alone. You are by yourself. For me, it was, damn, these people are not there for me. And at the end of the day, I need to be there for myself because I'm going to be alone. If you're taking away from me, I can't participate because I need to focus on myself. And at the end of the day, I got me and that's all that matters. Do you think that your definition of friendship has changed? A thousand percent. You know, in college, it's such a unique experience. You're living in a bubble. You don't leave. I didn't leave except to go to freaking Walmart. That was the only time I freaking left. If you didn't need to leave campus, you could be there for like a week and forget that the outside world existed. That place is right. It fully is mind boggling when you think about it. You feel like you're in a bubble, literally. And so it was a hard adjustment for me because I had all this freedom growing up. I could just hop on the subway in New York City and go wherever I wanted. Go to a museum, go to a new restaurant, go to the park, you know. And when I was at Trent, it was really hard to make that adjustment. For me, being in an environment where you're literally trapped, you really open up. I was my most vulnerable self when I was 
in college. And there were things that I went through that I wasn't expecting to go through. You know, a friend coming to me about a sexual assault, for example, it was like, damn, this is real life shit. Or even me, I remember I found out my grandmother passed away and she was taken in a really unfortunate circumstance. And I remember just running and calling my best friend, sobbing to tell her I could have called anyone else, but I had this connection with a college friend. I just feel like everything that everyone went through in college was a taste of the adult world. People were getting arrested. You know, people were going to the hospital. It was real life shit. And that's what made the definition of friendship change for me. It really was ride or die. Whereas in high school, I was like, oh yeah, like you want to come to my house? Sure. That's what friendship Mm -hmm. means to me. But in college, it was damn, are you going to come to the police station with me to report my rapist? Are you going to be with me when I'm in the hospital because I have alcohol poisoning? I think that's why the relationship with the word friendship has changed for me because I went through so much shit. A friend is more than just someone you grab brunch with. It's someone you're there with when someone passes away in your family or your family loses a source of income or you get your house foreclosed. Really big shit. My college friendships made me even more question a lot of my friendships at home because like you said those friendships you make at college are so intense and you literally live with these people you eat with them you can literally shower next door to each other as people did I almost feel like you get to know people at the speed and the intensity that with your Mm -hmm. home friends it could take five years to get to know someone that much and in the space of a couple of months you really really get to know someone for better or worse you go through certain things and you feel certain things and you see certain things, you experience them. And then for me coming home, it was kind of like, I can't really talk to you about these things. So why do Mm -hmm. I consider you a friend in the same way? There were times in the summer that I was calling my friends that were not there with me that I was used to after freshman year being with them all the time. And my best friend from college was not on campus my sophomore year. And I would still call her almost every day or we would communicate with voice memos or whatever it was. We were maybe 500 miles apart, but she was the person that I was going to for help for anything. And it really did open my eyes, like you said, to what my past relationships meant to me and how I define friendship. It will serve us in really good stead as well for the future. A lot of people Mm -hmm. get to a certain age and then they realize that actually their friends aren't their friends. I mean, I've still got a lot to learn. I'm only 23, but a lot of the friendships that I have are real deep friendships and I wouldn't keep people around me that I didn't think were really good people. So I think we we both learn a lot. Hookups, dating, relationships. However you choose to, or not to, label them. The formation of intimate relationships have long been a part of college campuses. While I remained single throughout my time at college, Victoria was in a long-term relationship. Our second subtopic, I was therefore curious to find out how being in a committed relationship impacted Victoria's college experience, and ultimately, how the breakdown of that relationship informs the conclusions that she has been able to draw. How would you describe your relationship at college? Well, I was dating someone for about three years. So basically my whole time, they were also a year ahead of me. So it really was my whole time with them on campus. 
I was really not into guys in middle school and high school. I was super casual with it. I'd cook up with a guy and then be like, okay, bye. Definitely growing up, it had to do with my parents being divorced and getting divorced at such a young age. I remember being 13 and being like, I'm not going to get married. My mom was like, girl, I need grandchildren. So you better figure that out. (laughs) I just was really not into relationships. And it's funny because I feel like everyone usually has their first relationships in middle school, high school. And so I was so unexperienced, not sexually, but just with more than the sexual part. I got to college and met the guy that becomes my boyfriend literally December of 2016, four months into college. And so it was really just like, whoa, what is this world? I've never been like this. And And also you're navigating a whole new experience. Right. It was a lot. And I was very just naive, I think. But in a way, it was good because it let me have this really fun relationship but at the same time the relationship had to come to an end which we can talk about but dating in college was a lot because you lived together I basically lived with him like we were not in college I would spend almost every night with him it was a very intense relationship and very close and fast paced what did the relationship mean to you at the time it meant almost everything I mean there were days especially when I was like peak depression there were times where I would just sob in my room just being like this man means everything to me I don't know what I would do without him which was so unhealthy and it was just this person who knew me so well even though they knew me as well as my best girlfriend it was different because it was romantic it was just something so special that I really wanted to hold on to but at the same time ever since the beginning of the relationship there were sort of red flags and I knew that this wasn't gonna last There were things that were going on that I was like, this doesn't seem right. But at the same time, it was my first relationship. So I was like, I'm going to let this slide, which I shouldn't have done, which is why it's a regret. Um, (laughs) And that's why we're talking about it today. There definitely is a part of that relationship that really did mean everything to me. And I think because I was so inexperienced and knew that I'm not a relationship type girl, the whole time we were together, I was like, if we break up, I know I'm not going to date anyone until I'm like 27. So that's why I feel like I made it last longer than it totally should have because I know it's not going anywhere. And I just know I'm just not going to be in this situation again. And I just wanted to savor it as much as possible because I knew it was not going to happen for another thousand years. What led to the breakdown of the relationship? I think it was exactly what we talked about with friendship. I just was compromising myself in a way that I shouldn't have been. I let a lot slide. And we were just going separate ways. I was doing things with my life. And I honestly felt really restricted in my relationship. And that was a reflection of their own insecurities. And I was like, I'm not going to dim my light to make you shine brighter. I had to really come to terms with that because I was not myself. And my relationship was a really big aspect of that. It was summer of 2019. I was getting ready to go abroad. And I was like, I need this to be the best experience ever. And I know the only thing that can make this happen, or one of them, is if I break up with this man because he's just not helping me in any way right now. It just didn't serve me anymore. That's the biggest thing. If anything in your life doesn't serve you, romantic relationship, friendship, you know, a job, whatever it is, the city you're living in, leave. I finally had the courage in me to just be like, I need to end this. And it was really rough because I think because I let so much slide, my partner was very caught off guard. So it was really hard for them and for me. 
I didn't cry when I broke up with him because I cried so much in the relationship. I was out of tears by then. And I got to a point where I was like, this is over. And it was funny because I see a lot of this. When a heterosexual couple breaks up, the guy moves on faster. I hear this, But they come to terms with it so much later. Whereas the girl cries then she eats the ice cream she has her girlfriend they give her she processes it in the moment when it happens so then afterwards she's totally fine that's definitely what happened with my ex because they were like I can't lose you you're so great and I was like yeah I know I'm fantastic I know these things but they were sort of coming to terms with it after and it's such a guy thing how did you feel at the time breaking up with that person? And then how do you feel about the relationship now? I felt so good about breaking up with him. It was actually disgusting how good I felt. Do you think you would have done it if you weren't going abroad? Yes, for sure. Okay. Because they were still graduating. Even if I wasn't going abroad, I would have been at school and he would have been home. The biggest thing in my relationship is that there was no trust there. Any distance between us was not going to help. And it was just going to make things worse. And I was like, I got to focus on myself. This is my senior year. I want to have fun. So I think even if I definitely didn't go abroad, I still would have done it. I feel bad for them because you couldn't make up how much fun I was having. I fully went from like what someone would think would be the lowest point of my life to, as you know, you went abroad. Abroad is just the greatest, most magical time. I made the best friends. I traveled the world. I ate the best food. I learned from amazing professors and did all these things that I'd been wanting to do for years so it was really hard but in the moment I was like I'm abroad baby girl I'm on a freaking yacht I'm in the south of France eating fresh bread and veal I was living the best life so it probably totally would have been different if I was still at trend but still a thousand percent I think I would have been fine now like I said we've been broken up now for like a year and a half and I feel indifferent with a little tinge of resentment because it's a regret. As I'm saying, not the relationship, but the things that I let slide in the relationship, the things that I compromised on, which made me not be my true authentic self. The regrets come from not prioritizing yourself. I don't care if people think that's selfish, if people think that's entitled. Like I said, at the end of the day, you're all you have. You need to protect you. And that's what I just had to prioritize. I recognize that as a time in my life where I had that person and they were really important to me, but I recognize the time after where I'm in so much of a better state mentally, emotionally, and so much more in touch with myself. I wouldn't trade this feeling for the world. And, you know, like I said, I have a little bit of resentment. Everyone says closure, closure, closure doesn't exist. No matter if you put me in a room with this person or anyone that I've had a falling out with and I could scream at them, I could talk to them for 12 hours straight, no interruptions, I would still leave that and be like, fuck, I forgot something to say. You're never going to be able to get out everything you want to say. And I feel like for me, that was the biggest thing. It was like, I just need to cut this person off because I can't resent him for the way I acted. That's why I try not to have resentment. Honestly, I wish him the best. He was such an important person in my life. It was one of those relationships too, where he was my best friend on top of my partner. All I know is I have gotten better at compartmentalizing. So I like throw all my memories in a box and then throw it away. And then I'm like, okay, they're there. If I want to think about them, I can. If I want to look back on pictures, videos, Snapchat memories, I can. Something you just touched on, which was one of the questions I was really interested to hear from you about. That relationship you had throughout your three 
ish years because I guess senior year you went together right so three ish years of college do you see your relationship as synonymous with your college experience and if so do you regret that for me for example I mean it's easier to say oh I'm glad x didn't happen because you never had it right Mm -hmm. so I never had a relationship throughout college and I can look back on that and say I'm pretty happy that didn't happen because when I look back on my time at college there were some really really tough times throughout that but I know that my memories are my own and there are memories of friends and the friends that I started with for the most part are the ones that I ended that experience with but I don't have a person who makes it hard to think about a particular time right do you regret having that relationship as synonymous with college I do regret it a bit when I do think back on my relationship it's not that I wish it didn't happen I just wish it happened at a different time in my life even if it wasn't with this exact person, if it was just a similar relationship with someone who lived in New York, for example, or whatever, it is so hard to think, especially with COVID. Basically, like I said, started college with this person. They graduated. I finished my junior year. Then I went abroad, had the most amazing semester ever. And then I came back expecting to continue on that high, to have all the fun my senior spring. I was living in a house with seven girls that I wasn't close with or eight girls now before. So I was meeting all these good, amazing friends. And I finally had that real girl time because that's another thing. I always had my girlfriends in college, but it was very different because I was in my relationship. So it was balancing the two was really difficult. But going off that is just to say to have two months of that and then to get it taken away because of COVID, that makes it harder and makes it easier to regret my relationship. That's the thing. That's the biggest issue is just having that part of college that I was so so excited for the last three months taken away from me when I feel like a lot of my experience was taken away from me for a different reason that's hard but it's just crazy for me to think about literally till I die when I think about college I'll think about this person so it is really crazy I do think it is a regret and I don't want this person to think that I'm saying that I regret being with them because that's not it it's that I regret putting so much of my time in one of the most important four-year segments of my life. I regret putting so much of my time that I should have been doing other stuff, dedicating that time to something that I knew was not long-term. I always knew he wasn't going to be someone I was going to marry. You know, he was just a boy that I was in love with and infatuated by and was on this high with. And for that, it's sort of hard for me to think about college. But like I said, I have to compartmentalize. Would you therefore say to someone else not to have a relationship throughout their time at college? I have said that. I think all my friends that I have that are younger, girls from high school or whatever that I've talked to, I've been like, girl, make sure that this guy's actually good because you do not want to be in my position. I definitely have been taking that route of I should just let you know that dating in college is fun. You have that freedom. You get to literally have a sleepover every night. It's great. But there are a lot of things that you don't want to look back on and think, damn, I can only think of this man or this woman or whoever when I think about college. And I think that's really hard. What do you think is the main or a few lessons that that relationship taught you? I think I used this quote earlier, don't dim my light to make others shine brighter. And also just realizing red flags for what they are. They're not an orange flag. They're a red flag. Beep, beep, stop, bitch. It just taught me to be more self-aware and it taught me to keep my guard up more, which I always have been. I've never been a really vulnerable person right when I meet people. But something with this guy, I was just completely open book for the most part. There obviously was still stuff that I feel like he didn't get to know the real me because of the terms of our relationship, but... 
I definitely think it taught me to just understand and hold true to what I know of I'm perfect alone. I am so secure in myself that I don't need a person to make me feel better. At the end of the day, like I said, I only have me. And so I think it just reassured that in my head that, okay, if I want to get into a relationship, another one later down the line, I'm doing that because I enjoy this person's time. I think we vibe well. I think they could add something to my life, maybe that I'm missing, whatever. But at the same time, I am doing this because I want to, not because I have to what you just said is so important and we forget there's times where maybe you're feeling lonely or you're feeling a bit crap like you just said a relationship isn't something that you should look for to kind of complete you it's more like I like this person I think they could add to me but I'd be totally fine alone without them the Pew Research Center a non-partisan American think tank based in Washington DC reports that from global protests against racial injustice to the 2020 election, some Americans who use social media are taking to these platforms to mobilize others and show their support for causes or issues. In fact, research conducted in June 2020 by the think tank shows that 32% of social media users encourage others to take action on issues they regard as important. As one of the voices that I have admired since the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement last summer, Victoria has been consistently outspoken on Instagram. In the third and final subtopic of this episode, I was keen to find out more about Victoria's journey to advocating for others. What kind of person do you think you were throughout college? I think I was a good friend in college, someone who was there present. I always wanted to show that I was a caring person and I could help you if you needed help. And I think that was the most important thing for me. I was realizing that I was really struggling in so many areas of my life. I was looking around in my classes like they must be struggling. They must be struggling. How can I help? What I tried to do was just be a nice person. But sometimes I look back and I was like, was I? I at least hope that I was a good person. And the most important thing for me was to be a smiling face for someone to see me on campus and be like, oh, like there's Vic. Let me say hi. I always felt like that. Well, (laughs) that warms my heart. That kind of leads to where you are now, what you're doing with your activism and being, I think, such a powerful voice. What does activism look like for you and what inspired it? I do the bare minimum. That's what I think I want to get across to people. I'm not doing anything special, especially peak Black Lives Matter, like over the summer. I didn't have a job. I was home. It was fucking pandemic. I literally wouldn't leave my house for days at a time. So I would just sit on Twitter or sit on news channels and repost it. So my followers, even though I only have a small amount of followers, would see it. And then hopefully they would spread it and they would spread it. The other thing that I've talked to a lot of my white friends about specifically in Black Lives Matter is they need to be doing more of the work. I was perpetually freaking exhausted when I was working over the summer and just trying to like work on my social media activism. But it was literally the bare minimum. And I was like, why can't y'all do this? You guys are the ones that have all your white followers who are the racist ones. I have a lot of liberal ass people on my, you know, story. So it's not even like I'm making that big of a difference. You're the one that needs to be reposting it. I literally do the bare minimum. I feel bad taking credit because most of the time I'm screenshotting tweets. It's not even my words, you know, sometimes I'll get in there and go on a little rant, but I really feel like I do the bare minimum and that's just caring about people. What started activism in me is just, I care about people. I don't think anyone should be discriminated against for the color of their skin, the people they love, the way they want to act, the way they want to dress, the way they want to present their 
identity, the way they practice their religion. I physically, mentally, emotionally do not understand how you can hate someone for being who they are. This is not to bash you or anything like that, because I also did not participate in activism at college, but talk about your activism or their lack of at college, and then why you feel like you're in a place now where you want to participate and can. I didn't feel safe at school. I genuinely did not feel safe. I had some incidents in middle school and high school with my administrations. I was a very rebellious child. You know, I was suspended. I faced disciplinary issues. The biggest thing that I learned from every time I got into trouble was I need to end college with a good GPA and with a job. And I can't have anything get in the way of that. I think the other thing of not feeling safe is as someone who's a person of color and a woman on Trinity College's campus, I did not feel safe. The school is not liberal. The school is a conservative school. And those minds and words of the conservative kids at Trinity, the white, racist, really privileged kids are always going to override the students that are POC and that are low income and first gen, especially at a school like Trinity. For me, it was really just a situation of like, I don't think I can speak up because I don't want my bedroom door vandalized. You know, I definitely in larger group settings showed my support and wanted to be there, but I definitely could have done more. One, I didn't want to risk anything. I was a financial aid student. I didn't want to get any scholarship taken away or anything. That was really important to me and my family, not to do anything that would hurt my education. And two, I didn't want to be the next victim. I really was just like, let me just stay under the radar. In the end, everyone should protect themselves. And I think that is most important. I definitely know some people that stuck their head out. They had consequences because of it. So I definitely advise everyone to do something, stand up for yourself, protect yourself, but make sure you're doing it and you're safely doing it and not putting yourself at risk. That's why I think I was so hard about it this summer and BLM and going to protest, advocating. I did a fundraiser just because I felt so much regret as we go around full circle of not doing it enough in college. But I do understand. I mean, there were people who couldn't go to the protest because they were immigrants, you know, at Trinity. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you should risk that because that is most important. But I know that those people that weren't necessarily there because of maybe something that they were scared of getting exposed or they were at risk, they still supported They were there mentally, they were there emotionally, they were doing other things that were helping out and showing support and alliance. But at the same time, it's a regret. And that's why I'm trying to give my all and put everything I have into speaking up now, especially in the summer. I didn't have a job. No one was looking at my socials. I wasn't associated with the university. You know, I was this free agent just to do whatever I wanted, say whatever I wanted to say. And I really love that. So that's what I did. I admire what you did. And I also think you just touched on such a good point. There's many ways to show up. You don't have to be the person front and center at the protest to show up. I studied sociology. If someone wants to know what sociology is, it's literally like how society fucks us over 101. You know, I dedicated my time, my parents' money to learn these things and to learn how to disrupt the institutions in life that fuck us over. And so I'm going to do that. I can't just be in a classroom learning these things. I need to practice them. That's the whole point. So I'm trying. The one thing that I do want to carry throughout the rest of my life till the day I die is just being someone who cares about other people and uses the privilege that I have to protect others who don't have those privileges. Before we reach the end of our conversation, I asked Victoria to share some final takeaways on how her approach to life has been informed by her openness to having regrets. 
the biggest thing that I've learned is just to think more, being more thoughtful and thorough before I do something and to live your life with regrets so you know what not to do. The only way that I know how to do the things that I want to do or be the person I want to be is because of the mistakes I've made. If I had a perfect relationship, if I had a perfect friendship, I wouldn't know how to deal with when it isn't perfect. It's always good to learn those harder lessons earlier on in your life. The biggest takeaway is just sucking it up and realizing that you can't live your life with hashtag no regrets. It's gonna happen. (laughs) But you might as well embrace it Mm -hmm. and be like, you know what, I have fucking regrets. And this is what I learned from them. And this is what I'm going to do to make sure that my life is better because of these lessons. I hope everyone can listen to this episode and think of a time maybe they regret something, maybe they did something, maybe they let someone treat them in a way that they shouldn't have been treated. And they know now that you should not be treated less than you deserve. You should not do something that makes you uncomfortable. You should not be compromising who you are. I've said it eight times. Do not dim your light for others to shine brighter. Period. This episode would of course not be complete without space for Victoria's own project. Who better to speak about it than the original fried pickle herself? I've been wanting to do a blog for a bunch of years now, but in college I just never had the time. And then all of last summer I was working on it. I was constantly writing, trying to come up with content. I decided to come out with this blog. It's friedpickles.com with a Z. I talk about lifestyle stuff. I talk about fashion, New York City things. I want to get more into op-ed type more emotional pieces. So that's a goal of mine for the next few months, especially in the summer. And then I also launched a few months ago, Friends of FP, which is a section on my blog for my friends to use the space for whatever they want. I had one friend write about how to get brand sponsorships. I have some really exciting ones coming out and I want you to write one, Hannah. You can write about your <laughs> about whatever you want. I do love it. It gives me something creative to do. It gives me also a sense of self. It gives me a deadline. Obviously I have deadlines at work, but I haven't written an essay in forever and had deadlines for school that I was so used to. So it's really nice to, you know, have that sort of structure and to hold myself accountable. I do a newsletter. I only email you guys once a month. It's very low commitment. And the email always comes out on the first of the month. Check it out. Sign up. Subscribe. Thank you to Victoria Guardino for giving so much of herself. You can find her Instagram at friedpickles123. And if you'd like to share a regret that you may have, then I'd love to hear from you. You're welcome to DM the at helloaftergrad Instagram or email helloaftergrad at gmail.com. Anything you share will of course be kept anonymous unless specified otherwise. The production and sound design of this episode was by Hannah Ward. Join me next time with the help of some incredible people I will continue to navigate life after grad. Oh God, this is deep. (laughs) Wait, crap.
I lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> Can I curse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Regrets, regrets. Hashtag regrets. That's the whole Hashtag episode. <laughs>